Hey folks, welcome to the Pub Talks with Sam McConnell, where you will hear adventure stories from around the world. Today, we are at the Warwick Castle Pub in London, joined by Earl Collins, hearing the story of Crossing the Namib. So grab your drinks and let's begin. 2002. 2002, so, yeah. What part of it? That was in Namibia when I was dropped by a helicopter into 250,000 square miles of sand and left on my own to walk back out with a rucksack full of water. Well, oh, so this was your um, your inauguration into into getting into the business. Well, I mean, I've been. I mean, the backstory was that I've been. Uh, working as a safari guide in Namibia for probably three, four years, really five years before then. So I've been crashing around all over Southern Africa right. as a safari guide. And then um, and every, every few weeks we would go to the edge of this, um, this huge dune sea, so the, uh, the, the, the biggest and oldest sand dunes in the world. Yeah. And we did a little bit of a walk and I was always fascinated by it. And so eventually I managed to um, convince them, um, the government to give me the permits and um, to go and do it. And so, yeah, so in 2002, we got a helicopter, this guy called Steve Groves, a friend of mine, came, we set up a base camp on the edge of the desert. We had a, we had a bit of a film crew with us to film, not, not during the trek, but, um, but uh, um, the, 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 the before and after. So um, yeah, I mean these dunes are enormous. They're um, they're the, the, the biggest ones, like one and a half thousand feet of sand. I mean, imagine that in the trudging up that bacon heat. Yep. So eventually, yes, yeah, so I got. I thought it was you know seemed like a good idea at the time. Got the base camp set up. Steve came in in, in the jet, jet ranger. Yeah. Basically, loaded up a rucksack just full of water, not really much in the way of food. I think they had some chewing gum, a couple of apples, and a couple of rations. But the water was the big thing. The water, of course, it is. But the more you carry, the more you take, the more you have to carry. Yeah, so. the more the more water you carry, the the more it weighs. So the, yeah, more, exactly. so the more water you use to carry the water, so it's that whole yeah. thing. So the doctors were saying, oh, you need to carry five five litres per day minimum and I was banking on five days so you do the maths so that's already litre a day no five five litres a day five litres a day so that would be 25 ki kilograms already so that's nearly 50 pounds and then I, I, would, I would imagine that if you was going trekking you would take like a like a not a donkey but something to carry for you <laughs> well I didn't know you then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Earl. Carry this. <laughs> carry this. <laughs> no way, no. You can't. In the Middle East, you can do that. Of course, yeah. that's where you have camels and, yeah. and donkeys and what. But no, this is this is just solid sand dunes. So you start. Yeah, there's nothing out there. So you just have to carry everything on your back. So um, 
Yes, anyway, so I, I was there, I um, flew out and um, yeah, the beginning of the fly was very exciting and then suddenly as we got closer and closer and closer to the skeleton coast, it gets more and more foreboding and you see the, 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 you know, the cold South Atlantic and the fog and then you suddenly realise this is really happening now, this is not a dream anymore, you're really going to have to put your... Yeah, you have to... Yeah. Not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, exactly, not in Kansas anymore, you're going to really have to you know, do what you said you're going to do. So he, so then Steve comes in, he doesn't quite land, he puts a skid down on top of a dune, I chuck the pack out, I jump out, thumbs up, um, um, salute, he, he, he flies off because he's low on fuel. And, and he just, he goes off into the distance and, um, and I just, I'm left there all alone. I'm like, absolutely, oh my well, you God. you for this? Thing, yeah, but you can, how can you, you prepare, how can, how can you, exactly. how can you prepare mentally to being, for being that alone? Being in the middle of 250,000 square miles of sand and you're the only living person there. Yeah, that's, I don't know why you signed up for that. Well, I thought it was a good idea at the time. I don't know what. Anyway, so of course you say, okay, you've got to get focused now. So then I, I pulled out. All I could get was was a was a fifty uh, year old map, and I had an old um, old army compass. You know, there was no GPS in those days, no sat phone, none of this. Yeah, it was yeah. just basically. Um, so they had to start, you know, planning my plan. You know, start planning the route. Basically, walking back. Um, no, away from the coast, back basically due um, due east, back towards um, yeah, civilization and the edge of the dunes. The problem is, I didn't realise that the, what I thought was a map was actually a photocopy of the map. And as I sweated on it, more and more of it washed off. This <laughs> 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 sounds like the Laurel and Hardy moment. Yeah. You've got one bloke who's low on fuel, drops you off in the middle of a desert with a photocopy of a bat that you're sweating all over and it's rubbing yeah, up. Yeah, and, and, and all the contour lines are disappearing, yeah. 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 You yeah. might as well just take a blank sheet of paper and draw exactly. a pencil line on it. Take your own lines up. <laughs> oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> And um, anyway, and you don't realise how brutal it is on the coast then, because you get this thick, um, this thick fog that comes in. So in actual fact, the first first day or two, I was freezing cold. You know, I didn't have enough warm clothes with me. And luckily, at the last minute, I decided to take a tent, because otherwise, I would have been in real trouble. Yeah, yeah, you would have been. Um, yeah, literally soaking wet and freezing cold. So um, yeah, the temperature drops. But also because you just get this thick fog comes in, so you just completely, even though you're, you're walking around in sand dunes, imagine this: you're walking around sand dunes in fog. Yeah. Completely um, wet. Wow. With so it's just like the moisture in the air. Yeah, the moisture in the air. It's nearly, it's not quite raining, but it's that damp. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, anyway, so it was gone. And the pack weighed an absolute tonne. So you slept in a tent in the middle of the desert. Mm. You don't pick a spot. You just, just, just in the middle of the desert. There's no trees or anything. No, no. You try and pick something behind a dune to keep you out of the wind. Yeah, exactly. Because the wind comes from the southwest there all the time, so you're always trying to, you know, find a dune that is going to keep you out of the wind. Well, it's not from the southwest. Yeah. That's good to know, is it? Exactly. That's why that is. Well, also, that's what you don't piss in the wind. You don't know. You piss away from the wind. Exactly. But also, that's how all of the dunes are formed there. So they're formed in these kind of great linear dunes. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because obviously wind forms dunes like, yeah, um, like you know, when you see the ripples at the on, when you're on the beach and you're in shallow water and you see all these beautiful ripples in the water. That's the that's the action of the um, water moving over the sand. Right. And so you end so you end up with with ribs or dunes in at ninety degree angles to the um, to the movement of the water or the sand. That's incredible. And then as you get further inland, you get more, they get more complicated. You get star dunes and crescent dunes and um, so on and so forth. So you set your tent up, tent up. Yeah. Uh, middle of the night. Well, not in the middle of the night, by the end of the day. By the end of the day, right. Yeah, trying to, because it was getting the first day, because we, we left late because the, the fog was too thick on the coast to, um, to, to fly out there and land. Right. So we've been in touch with, with other pilots flying fixed wings high over the over the coast and they said no, no it's, it's thick fog you won't really land there so we wouldn't want to take off run out of fuel and <laughs> anyway and then um, you can't get much sleep out there you? I, I, mean, I, don't know. I mean you're worrying aren't you you're like no I've, i didn't really have a problem with it you have to remember that i've been i've been working out there as a safari guide for five years up to that point it's not as if i traveled direct from labor grove to there <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, yeah. you know, I've already yeah. been, I'd already been living in that environment for yeah. five years, you know, and I hadn't actually hadn't even bothered. That's very really true. So I was acclimatized. I knew, I knew, you know, I was, I, I didn't even normally sleep in a tent as a guide. I used to sleep on the ground next to the fire because it was just less, one less thing for me to do in the mornings. Of course, of course. So uh, I like sleeping under the stars. I took, luckily, I took the tent because it was actually going to protect me from the um, from this terrible, um, you know, this the fog and the moisture, which is basically, you know, just make well, it well, well, so freezing to death. You know, all your kit, although you're in a desert, you're then thinking, but you still have to carry all this water. It's ridiculous, ridiculous whole thing. You know, it's, it's bonkers. So, I mean, with the moisture, I mean, is there such a thing where you can actually capture the moisture? You can. Yeah, you you can. Massive. You can get like a fog collector. So you get a them fog like collector. fog collector. So they used. There's a beetle out there called a June basking beetle, and the little beetle, it's like jet black. Yeah. And it sits on top of a dune first thing in the morning, and it has this kind of pimpled shell that, that creates, it's like it has the, the most amount of um, body area or surface area possible. And it sits on the top of the dune, and the fog collects on, on its carapace, on its shell, and then runs down into its mouth. Yeah, and that's how they survive out there. So there's this whole ecosystem that, that survives on the fog in the Namib Desert. And so then you get beetles, and then you get other things that live off the beetles, and then you get bigger things that live and so on and so forth. So there are animals out there. Yeah, of course. So they, a company produced some fabric, rubber fabric that mimics the, the, the texture of the shell of these dune basking beetles. But yeah, I could have put this big piece of fabric out on the dunes, but but then I wouldn't be able to move, would I? Because I'd have to sit there and, and wait. Collect water. Collect water. You're not going to collect much. No, not, not enough. So basically, it was just, the brutal reality of it was he just basically, you know, you've got to walk as, as fast as and far as you can with it and using as the least amount of water possible. I guess if you did run out of water, then you would have to resort to those kind of measures where you'd have to set up your own little and collect water. But while you took water with you, there was no need to. Yeah, exactly. To do but, yeah. but, we, but I didn't have that kit with me, so it's uh, basically I just it was basically it was um, I knew it was going to be a five five half day six day dash across the desert to try and to try and 
cover it. And if and if I um, if I didn't do it in that time, I was in big trouble. So then, what happened after you set up your tent behind the dune, southward? Yeah, I mean, if we, well, yeah, you say, but you get a good night's keep, as I said, for me, I don't get a good night's keep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could call it that, yeah, I'd be yeah. worried about other things. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. You'd be all too exhausted. So yeah. got the next morning. Got the next morning. Start all over again. You know, get you get cold, and then it gets hot again at lunchtime, and then you get cold again in the did afternoon. You get that, did you get that thing where they call it? Like an oasis with mirages, where you no. think you're seeing. What, what you do do is out there because there's because there's nothing out there to give you a sense of scale, and these dunes are so massive, you have no idea how far away this dune is. So it could be it could be a very small dune close to you, right. sorry, a very small dune far away from you, or it could be a massive dune. It's, it's really weird, and you might see a bush in the um, in the distance. It looks like a group of people watching you. <laughs> yeah. It's really uh, weird. And, um, yeah. I, can, own, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah, and because you're on your own, it's all going to... And it's the, the wind blows pretty much constantly out there, so it sounds like um, the noise of uh, um, a, a crowd at a football match cheering in, in your ear all day long drives you nuts after a point. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And then, uh, yeah, and then what else? Do you get to talk to yourself a lot? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's only when you are so answering yourself back you have to worry. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew you had five days to go. Well, five days. And then, um, and then I had... Sweating. So the first couple of days were cold and it got every day got hotter and hotter and hotter as you got further and further inland and then as you get further and further inland the dunes just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger every day and then we had a problem with some of the dunes so you there. Well, you did uphill and downhill, and then, and then, but then up a bigger hill, down here, up a bigger hill, down here. But it's all sand. There's nothing hard underneath your feet at all. So when you're going walking down the slip side of the dunes, you're, you're up to your knees in sand because you have this massive pack on. It's kind of yeah. And then, um, yeah, so then they had the guys, um, Steve had, had managed to get um, use of a fixed wing plane to see if he could find me. Um, but I mean, he did, I think, once or twice, and they found me. Um, they would just well, they fly over. They did by dead reckoning, he was trying to work out where I was, and they'd fly over because they had the film crew with them to right. see if they could find me. In the, uh, What's the second day of it? Yeah, second day. I think they got a picture of me, just like a dot. <laughs> Headed in the wrong, in the wrong direction. <laughs> not, not quite at that point. <laughs> no, so by about day three, there's a big problem because the dunes there are bright orange. They're magnificent colour. But they, but they also, they're full of a, um, a thing called magnetite, which is a, well, there's a hint in the name. It, um, it's a very magnetic rock. And so you, 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 you're walking on a 50-year-old, a, a photocopy of a 50-year-old map with an, with an old army compass. And of course, then suddenly the, the compass is taking you the wrong way. And then I lost, I lost um, pretty much nearly a whole day walking the wrong way. Really? Mm-hmm. And then I had a big you know, epiphany on the second the sun's coming up in the wrong place and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, wow. Anyway, and of course, then there's more and more contours washing off my map by this point. And, um, and then 
the only good point was that every day my pack got lighter because I was drinking more and more water. Yeah. Does any point did you get worried? There was always that. There was always that worry in the back of your your head, but it's not something you want to dwell on when you're in a situation. You mustn't let your imagination run away with you in those places. Because it can. Imagine if, you, if you're in, that, in such an environment where you're all on your own, and if you let your imagination run rampant, you're, you're dead. Yeah. Imagine it. Oh, oh my God, you know. You don't want to stop No, absolutely not. You need to keep it all very, very calm, very bottled up. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Don't worry about those beetles. <laughs> yeah, the beetles, yeah. And then, uh, and then we had a massive, a massive um, herd of oryx in, in the desert. There was a desert-dwelling antelope, and it must have been 50, 60 of them. And they all had babies, so I had to walk around them because I didn't want them charging me or trying to... So that was pretty amazing. And then, um, yeah, as you get further and further inland, you get some more and more grasses start to appear. And Because um, okay. obviously the, the dunes by the coast are the youngest ones and the dunes inland are the oldest ones because right. the dunes, because the, the desert is marching out to sea slowly yeah. in Namibia. Is the desert retreating or is it? No, it's marching it's out to sea. So Namibia gets bigger every year by, by, um, by um, you know, a couple of metres. So, they're, so, they're, so the, the, the wrecks that it's famous for, the, sh- the, the old shipwrecks, the older the wreck, the further inland they are. So the shipwrecks from the Portuguese navigators in the 1700s might be three, four kilometers inland and buried inside a sand dune. So it's a very famous wreck shipwreck. So there might be some booty there. Oh, absolutely, definitely booty. So they found it. <laughs> well, you can't. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's good. The whole coast is covered in diamonds anyway. And that's another story. <laughs> anyway, yeah, everybody likes diamonds. And diamonds are not just the girl's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, so. If I had a couple of diamonds, I won't be giving them to a girl. <laughs> By itself. So we had some other weird things happen down there. So we had this thing called a, um, a growling dune, which is a very weird phenomenon where you um, you're walking up the up the uh, the wind face of a dune that's compacted because the sand's been blown into it, and then you walk down the slip face where the sand is not compacted, and you're walking down. We've got the big big pack on, and you're walking down. It's probably up to your knees in sand, and the whole backside of the dune starts to move. You create like an avalanche of sand, and then the whole dune, all the sand starts rubbing together and it starts vibrating and producing this massive um, like bass echo which is and I'd never heard of this before and so it scared the absolute crap out of me in the middle of the desert yeah it scared the crap out of me mm-hmm. so this whole whole dune is going and um, well, you can't. well you can't run and he was going what the hell's going on yeah. and then eventually so we got faster and faster and then um, because the pack got lighter and lighter and we had the plane it did find me on like day four or something I can't remember anyway and because um, I had no communication with the plane so I wrote um, our, rendezvous, our rendezvous point was at a place called Deadvlay it's a big white um, pan full of trees dead trees that died 3,000 years ago so um, they're just still sitting there in the desert it's a very very good RV point or rendezvous point in the desert yeah. And um, um, so eventually the plane, the dunes are now so big that the plane flew past me, but below me, 
<laughs> yeah, the plane was below me, and um, he, he saw me, tipped, tipped his wings, did a couple of circles around, and then I wrote on the to side. indicate to you that I've yeah, seen yeah, I've seen you, you tip your wings to do that. And then um, the um, I wrote in a sand dune with my my heel. I wrote DV uh, PM. So either so I'll be at Deadlay. Uh, this afternoon, I'll make it there before sunset tonight. And they then shot off. He again, he tipped his wings. You know, obviously read it and uh, carried on. Anyway, so they shot back off. And again, I was like, "Wow, okay." So, so what's DV? DV. So 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 Devlay. Devlay. Yeah, DV, which is which is the rendezvous point, and then PM is this afternoon. Yeah. And. Um, so then I kind of flogging along the, 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 the rucksack's getting lighter and lighter. That's your motivation, isn't it? Yeah. You beat the sea. Yeah. The, the, the rug message is the sand. Yeah. And you're on, you're on the right path. On, on the right, the right path, direction. yeah. And then my, but I'm getting running very low on water now, you know, because yeah. of the slight... How much water are you drinking by this time? Well, the doctor said five litres a day. I drank three. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it was only because I was... Well, that not much. What of these do you eat? I just didn't... No, I didn't even know. I had so little room in the rucksack. Bubble gum, some chewing gum, and I had um, a couple of dehydrated rations that I kind of like turned into soup at night. Rather than having like a you know like a chili con carne, it just became kind of chili kind of soup thing. Just to, it was food wasn't the issue. Yeah. They say you can survive. So long, I don't know how many days. It's, it's three. It's three. three minutes without air, three, three days without water, three weeks without food, three months um, without um, social interaction. Everything in three. I think I could do three years without social interaction. Okay. Quite easy. Depends on the person. Music. Maybe that's Maybe that's social interaction. Anyways, I got closer and closer and closer. I think well, I was getting closer to the end point, and I could see. I knew where I was going because there's a big mountain in the middle of the desert there, Vidberg, big white mountain. And this is why I knew that I'd been going off course before because of the compass and the magnetite, because the Vidberg was in the wrong place, and I had to sit down. And of course, you're getting really punchy by this point because you're not drinking enough water, your brain's cooking, you've not had enough food, you're tired. Starting to think this is a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Corners of the mouth turned yeah, down yeah. and there's that old sinking feeling. <laughs> oh anyway, so eventually I get and I walk up this last sand dune and I look down over this massive white pan they call it. It's just a big flat area in between the dunes but it's like chalk white, yeah? And it has these spidery like ebony black trees on it. These ones that said died like three, four thousand years ago and it was like yeah, I've made it. And then there was this, this, the stark realization that there was nobody there to meet me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going. So there I am, sitting there looking at this big sort of. Thing. So I've made it, but there's nobody there. There's nobody, nobody there. There's no helicopter, no vehicles, no nothing at all. So okay, cheers, guys. <laughs> okay, you can everybody come out now. Okay, the joke's over. No, 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 it was none of that. No, and um, 
And so then I came, oh. so I knew where there was a couple of trees. Right. So I, I put my tent up and there was literally, there was the last I had to these, um, like a lifeboat rations of water, which is like coming like, um, you know, like those awful packaging you get the um, ketchup in, in, in hamburger joints. They've got little foil, foil sachets, a bit like that. But I was so um, dehydrated, my fingers were like sausages. I couldn't open these things properly, so I was spilling most of it. And I was just an absolute mess anyway. And I wake up in the, anyway, go to sleep. Wake up in the morning about four or five o'clock before sunrise, and I and I hear some hear some vehicle engine noises coming. It's okay, great. They've sent some vehicles in to come pick me up. Anyway, so this half light, you know, when your eyes are playing tricks with you before before different scene, you know, night and night and day. And um, and these two Toyotas arrive, not next to me, but kind of close to me. Okay, what the hell? I don't know. No. These people were really using land drivers. And I'm kind of, I'd say, very punchy in this moment, very dehydrated. I lost a lot of weight, you know. Um, and out of these vehicles, these kind of these amazing women in huge dresses and massive hairdos started coming out. I know. I thought my, I thought I was going mad. You are going crazy. Yeah. You're seeing things. Yeah, I'm just seeing things. You're actually, you're actually seeing things. Come on. And um, and, and then some guys get out of the vehicle. What is going on? What what the hell's happening? And um, I said, okay, right. So I stand up and I walk over to them. And of course, I look a bit of a, a bit of a sight. You probably don't smell that good either. And uh, <laughs> and I say, you know, good morning. And they say, oh, well, good morning. So, so, um, um, you know, uh, where have you come from? I said, I've just walked in from the coast. <laughs> and I said, have you got any water? Anyway, and of course they rush around um, trying to get these, uh, you know, getting bottles of water and food and stuff. And so that, no, no, don't worry about the food, just a bottle of water would be nice. Thank you very much. And I said, what are you guys doing? He says, are we doing a fashion shoot for Freeman's catalogue? <laughs> so, I, so I walked out, my, my triumphant, um, um, uh, you know, arrival at Deadplay out of the desert for, was wasn't met by my team. It was met by, but, um, yeah, basically a couple of photographers from Notting Hill Gate and some and some models. You know, <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the heroes return. Nah, none of that. It's brilliant. I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> and that reminds me of another story. Well, that's all for this episode of the Pub Talks with Sam McConnell. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, like, and write a review. Until next time. Produced in association with Helios Productions Cairo. Producer was Sam Wolfe.